0: Hello and welcome to episode 147 of the 1099 for the week of May 7th, 2018. I'm your host, Josiah Renauden, and with me today is a co-founder and developer at Massive Monster who just recently released the Adventure Pals on PS4, PC, Switch, and Xbox One. Jay Armstrong. Jay, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm very well. I'm very well.
1: I'm excited to be here and I'm looking forward to having a
0: chat with you. So thanks for having us. No, absolutely. And we're going to go over a little bit of everything. We're going to, of course, dig into your game, creating 2D platformers, uh, family-friendly game dev, which is really not something I have dug into. It's mostly like overly violent, mature games are like the developers (laughs) I somehow find. But first... I could, of course, sit here and describe my kind of uh, impression of the Adventure Pals and what I think it is. But for you, could you describe the Adventure Pals in your own words, what you and the team really set out to do with the game?
1: Well, I guess first off, I'll give you the elevator pitch, which is, is that, uh, the adventure pals is like an action adventure platformer game where you play as a young boy on a quest to rescue his dad from being turned into a hot dog. But fear not, you have your magical giraffe who lives in your backpack, uh, who so called sparkles and, uh, your pet rock, Mr. Rock to help you as you like adventure through the, through the crazy colorful cartoony world. Um, and in terms of like what we set out to do, we, we kind of wanted that to kind of recapture that kind of childhood feeling of like when you're uh, when you're kind of out with friends and you're just kind of imagining, oh, let you know, kind of make believe together. Um and trying to create like a kind of wacky world that we enjoyed a lot and that we could just put our own like personal stamp of weird humor onto. Um
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that was really what we tried to achieve with the Adventure Pals. Uh, and it's funny, before when I used to play games, when I was at GameSpot and IGN, there's always this critical eye with it. And actually, when this podcast comes out it will be my first day in L.A. as a game designer. So I think part of me now is is trying to ask questions about like, how did they do that or why did they do that? And to me, The Adventure Pals perfectly toes that line between something for kids and something for those who are looking for a challenge and a certain sense of humor. When you're going in making something that you know is going to have an appeal to wide audiences and a lot of cases, younger audiences, how do you balance difficulty, which is maybe almost an impossible question to answer. I mean, is it hard to make a game that's both challenging but also inviting so that a dad and his son or a mom and her daughter can both play it and enjoy it and not struggle with it?
1: Yeah, I think, I think that is kind of, kind of a really interesting point. And I think maybe when we were making it, we didn't kind of look up and go like, oh, hang on, every game out there is violent and super difficult. Um, and like the current thing to do is to make, you know, roguelikes, which are which will just kick your butt like that. That's the gameplay. Um, and we're doing something really different. And uh, I'd like to say we were, we were trying to be clever and trying to do something different. But really, that's just kind of what appealed to us. And um, we, we kind of set out to make uh, a game that kind of fit our personalities a lot. And I think we kind of like things that aren't, you know, crazy challenging and we can feel like we progress and we can just feel, we wanted like every input to give you a lot of output. So like every jump, you've got like confetti coming out, uh, out of your butt. And uh, every time (laughs) you hit attack, you actually like throw enemies in the air and and whack them across the screen and then grab them, uh, with, with the giraffe neck and pull them towards you. And, um, and all of that stuff all just comes from like mashing one button. So we really wanted to capture that. And I, I think that came out of just what, what appealed to us. And I think It was just a very natural uh, progression to to make it easy. Um, We we actually started out in terms of it being family friendly. That's not originally what we wanted to do. We originally wanted to make something a bit more like South Park, where you know it looks yeah like it looks super cute, but then you know they're all swearing and it's all like really potty humor and stuff like that. But we found that um, we so we took this game to a lot of shows like across the world like fortunately um we're as a team we're kind of spread out so we've got someone one person in the uk one person in canada one person on Australia so we can actually get to a lot of events oh my
0: god your time zones though how is anyone ever awake at the same time
1: oh my god we never are it's a nightmare (laughs) it really is difficult like having a a team meeting we have to like book it a week in advance so everyone can like set their alarms for 2 a.m or whatever time they have to be up um but we so we, we we wanted to do that kind of South Park thing like that kind of subversive humor and we had stuff in there and we'd show the game off but because it was like a bright giraffe and like bright sort of colors and it, it would like attract people like us like young at heart kind of people with that kind of sense of humor but it would also attract the kids and we didn't actually expect that going in and w- there's like quite a good like thing that we decision that we had to make uh, that kind of sums us up um when you originally start the game you are at a lighthouse and there's a group of foxes and they're all having a jam and we um call them the Pavlovs pack because that kind of rings a bell, which is kind of a kind of a good joke. But really, it was originally the four because it's four of them fox ache. Um, and when you say four <laughs> fox ache really quickly, um you kind of get a sense of like the kind of jokes that we had in there. Yeah. Um, but the kids would come up and play it. And some of them were a bit young to read. So the parents would be reading it out to them and they'd, and they'd be, you know, kind of reading the story and smiling and going like, oh, this kid's really enjoying it. And then they'd kind of go, we're the four fox ache. And then it was sort of dawn on them that we just got them to swear at their child and they'd kind of turn around and give us this terrible look.
0: Yeah, they suddenly kind of check out at that point and say, maybe this isn't right for my kid.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And we kind of went away and just thought like, well, what do we have to lose by making it that kind of... More kind of Pixar style thing where instead of being too cool for school and excluding people, why don't we just make it more inclusive? Um, and like, I guess time will tell whether it was the right decision, but I'm kind of glad we did because it's great when you have family who aren't gamers or friends who aren't gamers. Um, and you can show it to them and they can pick it up and play it and enjoy it. I mean, that's just a great feeling. So, um, that, that's, that's why we did it.
0: You mentioned Pixar, and Pixar is the first thing that came to mind for me because it is that balance between hey, the kids really enjoying it, whether it just be the gameplay or how bright it is and everything like that. But the parent or the the adult is there and gets some of these references that maybe don't go as far as you know, for Fox sake, like or but they <laughs> they do just enough that they're like oh, that was funnier, that was clever. And there's even a little bit of an Adventure Time aspect. I don't mean to diminish what you made by relating it to everything, but that Adventure Time aspect where it's it's goofy and funny and toes this line that, again, it, it is smart, but is still really enjoyable for kids. How do you make sure that humor has to be incredibly difficult to do in something like this? Because in a lot of cases, let's say you, you go through a scene, your character dies, and you have to maybe read the exact same joke again. You're like, sure as hell doesn't hit as well the second <laughs> time, which is something that a lot of games that are funny run into. How did you make sure that your you're goofy without trying too hard, if that makes sense. Because I do think the majority, like 90%, 95% of the jokes really hit well in the game. How, how many times are you having to check each other and make sure you're not like, okay, we need to ease up on the humor without annoying people?
1: I think that some people are super annoyed by the humor. We've had like a couple reviews where they're just like, it, it falls flat or it's trying too hard or whatever. And But I think those people kind of don't like those things like Adventure Time or Steven Universe or um, Gravity Falls. They don't kind of dig that sort of cartoon wackiness that mm-hmm. we, which we went for. And that's okay. Like it's not a game for everyone. You can't please everyone. Um, but I do think that like a lot of people do seem to get it as well. So it's just kind of. Th- a product of our sense of humor and what we thought would be funny and then kind of rewriting it a lot and just trying to like, we'd find bits that were maybe a bit too straightforward and then we just kind of try and whack it up a little bit and, and make it a bit more interesting. But um, I'd like to say we were able to sit down and go over and over and over the script and kind of really perfect it. But it was such a tiny team and such like a, a huge game comparatively for what we could achieve mm-hmm. in the time time limit um, we just kind of had to go with a gut instinct and just kind of go like, well, I think this is funny and, and this is cool. And when we played it through again, like, oh, that, that's a bit annoying. So <laughs> then we just kind of change it and just kind of keeping it, keeping it kind of writing it as we went and then revising it. And, and nothing was like sacrosanct. Anything could be taken out or changed at any time without even really telling each other, uh, which kind of made it fun. So, um, there's like a little Easter egg where, um you're in you're in a town and actually if you go to the right you can actually find uh a game version of myself and the artist julian um and when you speak to them one of them that me like has this really exaggerated like english accent and julian has this ridiculous like australian kind of accent where uh he's kind of like saying good day mate like put a shrimp on the barbie you, you, you drongo and that all that sort of stuff um and I didn't tell him that I did that. And it was like months later, he just discovered it and he kind of got to be a player and just like discover it for himself. And he just enjoyed that so much that I think we just kind of tried to push ourselves to, to put stuff in that would delight the other person. Um, and, and just kind of make sure that everything was always like movable. And we also had, um, someone else come in, um, a lady called Dora, who's fantastic, uh, who works with our publishing company and she's got a great sense of humor as well so there was like a mix of like two or three people kind of going for that sense of humor to hopefully keep it kind of fresh and um and, and I I hope I, I like it like it makes it still makes me smile so keep everything like moving like nothing should be sacrosanct like um and just kind of keep pushing to kind of delight the other people working
0: on the game it has a personality and that you can't say that about a lot of games and I I you know I'm not just telling you this. The humor hits like more often than it misses, and it, you by like you're going through and you're smiling, which I think uh. is probably what you were going for. Where you have these moments of like, oh, that dialogue's really good, or that character is really good, or I, I hope I can go back and see more of this world because it it has this personality to it that is rare. And it's funny, you mentioned like Easter eggs for the developers. That's probably one of the main advantages of having those time zone differences where it's like, (laughs) well, this person's sleeping. I'm going to add a whale that you need to get, you know, skimpy underwear for or something like that. I'm going to add this segment that they're going to think is hilarious. Um, When you think of QA or at least like regular QA that uh, people do, a lot of it is scaling difficulty, finding bugs, trying different things. And you did mention that very often you're going with, your gut instinct on the tone and the humor, but was a lot of the QA or any of the QA you did relating to the, how these jokes land and seeing how it works with people. Did you have to kind of find a wide variety of ages of people to test this out and see like, okay, will this, you know, we have this friend who has a six year old kid who likes games. Will they enjoy how this game comes across? We also want to ask his dad to play it. Was that part of your process with the QA? No. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: no i'm like again like we it's such a big game for like two three people to make so like we didn't have that luxury of of time um i think like again we just we just have kind of a maybe a childish sense of humor and um i was speaking to a developer friend he's he kind of told me like whenever you know when he boots it up and plays it he just can't separate it from 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 me and julian and 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 team who made the game like that that is just like who we are. And, and like the way you say it, it has a personality. Like that, that's absolutely what we wanted to do. We knew very clearly what the game was. Like we wanted it to kind of, to kind of slap you in the face with a big, like, you know, fist of awesomeness and just kind of get, put a smile on your face and just get you out there, get you playing. And, um, just like, yeah, like I say, put a big, big dumb grin on your face. That, that was the goal. And I think like once we established what the game what we wanted it to be and what its personality we we wanted it to have everything we did like could point towards that and could serve that goal so like i mean just to expand on that um when we first started the game properly we had already made like a, a small online flash game with these characters where so we kind of knew we knew the characters and we knew what we wanted to do, but we got together and Julian flew over. I was still living in the UK at the time from, from he flew over from Australia and we had a week or two together and we didn't touch a computer. We just had uh, notepads and pens and we just sketched out the whole game. And we just decided like, what are the core pillars of the game? Uh, one of them was like the sense of humor, like the wackiness, this world that we wanted to create. And we, we like, we have like the same sense of humor, I think. And I think that's how we were able to do it. Um, and then the other things were, um, more like gameplay related, but, but like having those three like pillars meant that like everything we did could serve that. So like when we were trying to come up with items for leveling up, we're like, I, I just kind of decided, well, you know what? I'm going to put in a fart button. So we create. So I, <laughs> so I created the uh, green trumpet, which was just an excuse to put a fart button in my game, uh, which I was like, I couldn't be happier about, and then I didn't really tell anyone and I just kind of waited for them to discover it. Um, and, and I think that's kind of, that's kind of the way we did it. We just, you know, were there really just three of you? Yeah. So I'm the programmer. Then we had Julian, who's the artist. Then we had um, some, some help with animation um, at the beginning by an incredibly talented friend of ours called John Davies. Then we had um, audio and, and music was obviously we outsourced it. Um, then we had some help with some level designs with um, a friend of ours called Jake, and um, our, our massive monster partner Jim also got involved with some art and, and level design. But um, it was our, you know, it was our project. Took us three years. Oh, and I should also mention uh, Matt Tai, who was incredible and helped us port the game to all the platforms that it's on so like it was it was a two of us and then we expanded to three four five then we go back to two then three and so it, it was like a it was a pretty tiny team really for it's a around. massive
0: game too like it's a, it's a long game that's incredible i th- thought it was a much bigger team than that uh it's something you would when you're talking about different main pillars and what you want this game to be In my mind, when I'm thinking of a platformer that has different worlds, there's always you go through the, okay, here's the water stage, (laughs) here's the lava stage, this is the jungle. I mean, that's kind of how these are built. Do you have certain level or world stereotypes in your mind that you have to hit when you're doing something like this? Or maybe because you guys know that, you guys have played a lot of games like this, is there actually part of you that's just... Dying to flip that on its head and suddenly like, okay, instead of the the water world, the fire world, the whatever world, here's the 1980s arcade world. Here's the random (laughs) prehistoric world. Is it more, let's try to surprise people by not going into these archetypes?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I wanted to say like we don't have those, and then I realized we have a water world.
0: Um, <laughs> that was not me judging you. I promise.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. Totally. I was like, oh, I, I was thinking like, oh, I'm going to be able to sound so smart and say no. We flipped those on its head and did totally different <laughs> things. But we do have a water world. But we did want to like, we we knew that we wanted the game to be a certain length of time because. You know, like with with a game like this, you don't want it to be three hours and then people move on kind of thing. You want to give them like something meaty to get into, right? And uh, yeah. so we kind of worked that way, right? If we have five each levels, like five levels, and that could take a couple minutes each, and work down. Like, okay, well we need like I think we have like we've got five worlds, but the the final world's really um, one sort of set of levels and then a boss. Um, so the the four levels that that we had, we we really just kind of wanted to mash crazy things together, so. In the second world, we have zombie pirate cats. Um, In the in the third world, we have like post apocalyptic dinosaurs, Um, and then we have our underwater world. But that was really because we came up with a pun that we just couldn't like not use, which was um... (laughs) creating an entire world based off a pun is true dedication, (laughs) right? Exactly. So we're like crab people might live in like the underworld like underwater level world of um town of of Crablantis or like as soon as we had Crablantis we're like that's it Crablantis that is going to be a thing in our world um so yeah so we we did want to kind of change it up and there's like a huge amount of effort in like every set of levels there's a new enemy and a new trap which like really builds up like as the game goes on so yeah we just wanted to keep people guessing and kind of keep it interesting because like you said there um are so many platformers out there and there is a formula and people stick to it and we needed we wanted to get noticed because we don't we want we want people to find our game and play our game and and so one of those things was like really pushing that personality we were talking about earlier and um if we just kind of went with like volcano land and something you right. know that that's not it's not so interesting i mean it's great because it's been done but it's been done better than we could ever do it so we may as well do our own kind of weird thing so that was definitely a goal like to keep it fresh and to think about like right if we're making you know if you saw a screenshot of an area would it be interesting enough for you to kind of want to play it and that that's kind of what we aim for
0: no and i think it totally worked and you did just mention game length for your team is there an ideal game length for a 2d platformer in your head because when i was a kid I feel like I wanted games to last as long as humanly possible <laughs> because like, okay, I have no money. I got to hope my parents buy me something and I need to make this thing stretch. So you played it multiple times, you're 100%ing stuff. Now, the more the older I get, the more responsibility I get. I really love <laughs> a good, short, sweet game that really doesn't take me much longer than like eight hours. Like I'm playing Nino Kuni 2 right now and I love it, but I'm also... 30 hours in and feel like there's probably no end in sight and so it's like <laughs> this is now my part-time job like i need to devote that much time to it and you did mention and this is not really spoiling anything but during that last ending sequence um you you kind of you're setting up this final boss and you kind of just go through one area before you fight the boss instead of going through a whole bunch of different places and getting collecting a whole bunch which i super appreciated because in so many games you set up this last area and you're like, okay, I now know I'm in the end. But you need to go <laughs> through this massive, frustrating, winding dungeon to get there. So by the end, you're like, I just want this thing to end. Like, <laughs> I just want to fight this last boss. And instead, of had to do 300 different puzzles. I've had to grind my way up there and you're exhausted by the end. So do you kind of try to strike that balance between we need this to have some meat to it, but we don't want to tire people out of our personality before they leave
1: yeah I'm, I'm so glad you said that and i'm so glad you feel that way about that last area um because like the whole area is like designed around the boss like the the boss is in the middle and then there's like you're you're on a whole new like world map and everything is pointing towards it and uh, we actually had a ton more levels in there and it,
0: you're right. It was just too long. It was
1: just. Thank like, you for removing yeah, those. I was yeah. <laughs> really worried that
0: once I got there, I was like, Am I going to be able to finish this before the podcast. <laughs>
1: and That's right. That's right. No, you're, you're, are absolutely right. And like everything was just designed around that bo- uh, boss fight. And the longer we put it off for, the more frustrating it became. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's, that's what we tried to do. I think it's really hard to say because each game is kind of different. And like you, like you, you're kind of making that point where, you know, back when we were playing games as kids, um, you, you would want it to be hard so that you'd play it for more. And I think they deliberately made these games hard so that you'd have to keep restarting so you could play it for longer. Cause once you've beaten it, that's it. It goes on the shelf. You're unlikely to touch it again. Um, except for kind of rare cases. Whereas now. With like Steam sales and, and humble bundles and things like that, I think people have the opposite problem. They have too
0: many games. 100%. You get like a bundle of 20 games for $5, and you're like, well, that's my year, right? Yeah. Here. <laughs> yeah. Until the next month rolls around and you do it again, and suddenly yeah. you have 40 games,
1: and yeah. And so, you play two of them. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, I think like with our game, because it was a story game, um, it was like every moment had to be kind of handwritten in every conversation like that. And, and, um, and I think like it was, it made it a very. Um, it, it meant that we had a, It was a very long game to make, or mm. it took us a long time to make the game because of that. Is kind of what I'm trying to say. Um, so you know, length is kind of kind of a tricky thing. We did have a goal. We we wanted it to be 10 to 12 hours long, and I th- I believe we've hit that goal. Um, although I know you can like rush through it, or but if you stop and kind of smell the roses, it 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 should take you 10 12 hours, and that was just because that felt like the right, you know, talking with our publishers, that felt like the right time before, before we even began making the game. That that was the goal um, that we set because, you know, we want it to be value for money and we want people to play it long enough to kind of enjoy these characters. But as you said, not play it so long that they kind of, you know, particularly with this, this strong personality in it, for them to kind of go like, you know, this game's okay, but in small doses, like we will have those friends who are like, They're great, but in small doses. (laughs) Um, And we we wanted to avoid that. Um, But it depends on the genre, absolutely. Like, you know, base building games and farming sims and stuff like that, you can pour in hundreds of hours. Um, But with this, like, story-driven narrative game, um, I think we we, we were aiming for the length of time it ended up being, um, which I'm kind of pleased about.
0: And branching off of that, I I get real obsessive with progression systems i was a big jrpg person growing up so of course the main point of those games is let me see these numbers go up let me let me hit you with this sword and suddenly it does way more damage or let me see if i can max out this level and your progression system is extremely rewarding it it really works well with the upgrades and you feel like you're you're advancing as you're going. I was trying to find every nook and cranny to kill things to make sure I got the <laughs> kill. Things sounds weird for the adventure pals. That seems a little uh, to hurt people, <laughs> so they would give me their blue experience orbs. Um, but this is just so I played this game entirely by myself, and because I have this completionist mentality, I was taking everything out. So I maxed my level about an hour or two before the game actually ended. And I assume leveling systems are one of the toughest things to figure out because they're trying mm. to figure out, you know how do you balance this so that everyone is strong enough and has enough ability to beat the final boss but you're you're not trying to make it like you you ramping that has to be difficult in your brain again especially with a game that can be co-op and that is family friendly so how do you make sure you're constantly giving people new buffs and progress to play with while pacing it out correctly over this 10 to 12 hours yeah, it's it's definitely a real challenge and
1: something that we kinda of went backwards and forwards on. Um, because in terms of leveling up, there's a whole bunch of different ways you can approach it. Like you can have sort of, you know, exponential um growth in terms of, right, I needed, you know, ten XP for level one and then I need thirty for level two and then ninety for you know, that's that's one way that people do it, but that didn't really fit too well with our game because we wanted you to be able to go back to different areas and replay them. Um, and for it still to be meaningful or, or rewarding for you to do, um, so that was something that we um, struggled with for quite a long time. And actually, the leveling, like the the leveling, was kind of left out until kind of towards the end. And in the and and I'm gonna kind of give you a, a, a little secret here.
0: But oh, hot exclusive!
1: Oh, hot exclusive! Developers <laughs> only. Um, the leveling up is based on how much XP you can get from each area for each like level set. So that you might need a hundred for level three, but level four, you might only need 70 and then level five, you might need 200. And the goal was getting that kind of constant feeling of progression. So the idea was every set, halfway through each level set, I wanted you to level up, right? Or roughly thereabout, or if you were struggling, you'd obviously get that XP and you could level up sooner and that would help you get through. Um, so that was the goal. So actually I very like artificially created these, um, targets, um, and no one's noticed. Um, that's crazy. Yeah. I, I like, I, I created this like little script to go through every level and kind of guesstimate how much XP was available if you killed every enemy. Right. So, you know, okay, there's five enemies here. They give 15 XP, right. That's how much you can get in this level. Let's add that up. Okay. Now how much would you need? for for me on level seven to 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 level up well i'd need to this is how much xp i would have collected roughly and then we kind of scaled it up a little bit because we found that you know people did die and then they'd level up way too soon um but i mean i I kind of thought like leveling up we also didn't know whether to kind of like not have you fully level up at the end of the game like whether it would encourage you to keep playing afterwards but In the end, we kind of opted to just kind of have you kind of top out towards the end, um, just so it felt like you were completing everything, you know, how it was all coming like to a close. Um, So yeah, we we did this like very artificially and it I I feel like it really worked. Like It felt like it. Yeah. And because it's all like a blue bar, you don't know how, you haven't got any numbers, right? So it's it's all kind of hidden under the hood.
0: Oh, that's super smart. I had no idea. It definitely made me Again, I was trying to kill as many things as possible because like, I want to keep seeing this blue bar go up. It's a real yeah. good feeling when you get that level. Your health is bad, especially <laughs> if you're just trying to skirt by without using any of your items at that point. And like, the item thing is is fascinating to me too because you're not just playing to progress in level. You're trying to find cupcakes. You're trying to find stickers and different collectibles. And you're opening treasure chests for a whole bunch of different types of bombs. There's there's sticky bombs. There's like flash-type bombs. There's, there's all different ways to do that. I, I think if we're talking about the progression of platformers. Donkey Kong sixty four in my brain was the tipping point of that's too many things to collect. Please stop. <laughs> and I have a, a huge appreciation and love for that game. But when I look back as a kid, going back to that same analogy we had earlier, when you're younger, you want to just get everything out of you, you want to squeeze all the water out of that sponge. And that's why I love Donkey Kong sixty four because I could play that game for endless hours and collect every banana you've ever seen under the moon. <laughs> like and that was and that was fun. In this game, I think it's the perfect number of things you want to collect. Were there a lot of times during development where you were adding and detracting different collectibles to see what is the right balance so we're not overwhelming people with things to get, but we're not underwhelming them so levels feel empty?
1: Um, yeah, it was actually. It was it was kind of another kind of interesting process that developed as we made the game. Um, we decided very early on that we wanted a cupcake in every level. So that that kind of went in, you know, straight away. But the problem was, like as I said, we we exposed the game a lot, so we get a lot of feedback, and people would immediately say, "What? What do you do with the cupcakes?" Uh, and you'd be like, "Well, nothing. They're a collectible. You collected them. You know, well done." Um, and they would kind of keep asking this, like over over a year or so, people would be asking, and we're like, "Damn, if this many people." are interested then like everyone who plays is going to be asking this so we then decided right well let's let's um let's kind of create the something that you can do with them and at that point in the game it was it would have been too too difficult to make anything that would have affected gameplay or thrown the balance out. So we, instead we went with the, the hats and the costumes and luckily Julian is like such a great artist and has such a crazy personality that I think there's a lot of joy in like unlocking a new costume for Mr. Rock and then you can dress him up like a pizza slice or um, getting like a, a, a chicken that you can put on your head as a hat. Um, so I'm really happy with how that worked. But there, there was also then the, the stickers, which are the other thing that you can collect they came in again much later because again we were kind of showing the game and um there was just this feeling um this is something we got from um our publishers who we were working with Armored um, games who who've always been great to us and they were kind of saying like you know I, I, you know you've got the cupcakes but there's there's like it's not scratching an itch um and and so they suggested you know that we think about introducing another collectible on top of the on top of the cupcakes that that was a bit rarer, so it felt a bit more special. Um, and so we went away and we talked about like what would fit within the kind of the theme of the game, and and we kind of quickly came up with the idea of having stickers because each one of those could have like an interesting um, thing, and like we could kind of build the world a bit with those as well. And one of my favorite of the stickers is like a a, a wedding photo from from Farmer Joe and and Broomhilde, the pig. Oh yeah yeah like that I kind of I definitely wanted to have a bit more of that in but um in in I think instead we ended up with a lot more um just kind of wacky stickers and we kind of thought maybe down the road we could actually produce this sticker book for real and that that would be really fun um so yeah that was again like another another conversation um of of just getting feedback from people and and like i it's so valuable to just get your game in front of people and to just kind of not say a word just watch them um uh, we have so much in the game that if we had if we hadn't have expoed the game we wouldn't that it just wouldn't it would be a totally different game it would be a completely different game um and much less accessible and like you said like we wouldn't have the collectibles um but also things like the the little ledge grab that happens automatically that was because we could see people sometimes struggling with the jumping and yeah and and it was just like a lot of watching people play and just kind of addressing things and hoping that if you fix a hundred little things you know people won't notice but but uh, it's it's one of those things that kind of add together and hopefully kind of create a polished thing. And um, like I said, you know, a lot of that uh, collectible stuff was was just getting feedback from people who like collecting things. And that's not something I've ever kind of done. I normally just kind of rush through it all. Um, <laughs> I'm definitely not a completionist. I'm very bad with details. Um, so for for someone to say, hey, I kind of wish that I could find something or, or I want to have a reason to kind of go back to levels, um, it was just totally made sense and we, we again we we kind of tried to keep everything very open and whenever someone had ideas We'd always kind of think like is this something we can do and um, if we can make it a better game for doing it Let's do it.
0: You do mention that that sticker of the wedding and I love that touch because we did talk about before things not overstaying its welcome. And that character and that um, that scene and that sequence was really good, stuck with you. And then later on when you get that sticker, it's weird how you could be nostalgic in a 10-hour <laughs> span. It kind of works toward that and you're not sick of that character. You're like, oh, that was cool. And you don't need any more than that. It's it's this art of, of brevity and just giving you enough touches that you care without being like, okay, I'm now drowning in these situations. And you, you did mention earlier this... It's it's fun to add all these different features, but one thing that I always wonder is what's it like after the game is done adding trophies and achievements because that's an entirely different layer. If you remember, did you play the Ratchet and Clank games way back when?
1: Yeah, I I kind of I'm familiar with them. Like, I my friend used to play them, and um, and I'd see him doing it.
0: So there were, before achievements and trophies were really around, there was this, you were unlocking certain things where very similar, you were, oh, break this number of boxes or upgrade weapons to this level and it'd give you different value. And it, I would assume that's fun to play around with. Today with trophies and achievements, is it cool to kind of look at what you have in the game and be like, what can we do even beyond the unlockables we have in this game to encourage people to explore? And you did say the progression was, are we gonna hold some of that back for post-game? Do we wanna just build it up in this big culmination moment? Did you kind of treat the trophies and achievements as this is the fun post-game stuff?
1: Yeah, we did. We we came to it right at the end. And and so yeah, you're absolutely right. From that point, we could go like, well, we we knew the game. And I think like we didn't really know our game very well till we finished it. Um and so like that that in that sense we could go, right? Well, you you jump on a lot of these, like, you know, the, the little purple. Uh, Goombery type fellas, you jump jump on them a lot. So why don't we put in one for that? And oh, it's kind of kind of funny. We put in the secret about um, the the underwear, uh, the bikini with the whale. And if you talk to the old man, then something kind of funny happens. And let's let's put an achievement there as well. And yeah, absolutely. I think I think like definitely leave that stuff till the end because um, yeah, you don't know what your game is until it's done. Yeah, um, particularly with our game, like we we had like. Um, I'd say like six to nine months before it finished, we, we, uh, we kind of, you know, like kind of drastically changed huge amounts of it. Like, uh, like, and we kind of went through and read it like every single level. Um, so that
0: sounds terrifying.
1: (laughs) Oh my God. So what, what the problem was, was that the game was, it was like, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like a button masher. You kind of beat them up mixed with a platformer, um, you know, it has those elements kind of tied together, but it was too separate. So you, you would be like jumping around, grabbing, you know, grabbing with your neck like a grapple hook and then, sp- and then flying around and you'd feel like really free. But then the enemies were kind of like all of them were like the guys with the swords, like the deer and the pirate cats. Oh,
0: yeah. So we didn't have
1: any of the like one hit kill guys. So every bit of combat was just like very tedious and you just have to like, it's a bit like, chopping down a tree in like stardew valley or minecraft you just be like tap 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 okay now i can move on tap 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 and it really like broke the flow of the game but we were so close to it that we didn't realize and it it took some friends to kind of really like tell us like guys this doesn't like it needs to be one or the other and that was really hard to hear and we went away um and kind of you know like banged our heads against the wall and screamed at the top of our voices and stuff and then the next day kind of like okay well let's take this list of things and make an actionable like plan and, and do it and it involved like the creation of like 25 new enemy types redoing all of the 105 levels we had um, but ultimately it meant like a much more cohesive experience so like with the one hit guys it tied in a lot more. And the, sometimes when you jump, if you're jumping and you hit them, you kind of get another jump. Yep. Um, and so like bringing all that stuff together really like helped with the game design. So like I said, like if we'd put the achievements in before that point, uh, we would have had to completely redo all of them as well. <laughs> so it's definitely worth waiting till you get to the end.
0: It's incredible because it is little things that become major things and it changes how you do everything and you you talked before about just the grab on the ledge i bet if that wasn't in there this like a lot of portions of this game would have infuriated me like because you need that little bit of like sometimes the jump is just hard you come at the wrong angle and you don't want to be overly punished for something like that and older games did that but like you had mentioned a lot of that was just hey it's okay if this is hard because we want them to play this as much as possible it's almost artificially um, increasing the length of the game. Absolutely. One of the things when you were talking about pro- progression in combat and changing all of this, that upgrade that where your giraffe can essentially like elongate its neck and pull you to someone, that changed the entire game for me because combat was working, but in busier moments, I was struggling to dodge and really get in on someone the right way the way that i wanted to and getting that ability almost as an escape valve to be like all right now i'm flinging myself left or high or back down to the ground and combat suddenly had a flow to it that made sense and you talk about how a lot of this game had to change were there entire new combat aspects that you just had to really think on and add super late game was that ability to pull on to someone an early decision or a late decision
1: yeah, that was was kind of, that came in towards the end, definitely, because as you said, like the the uh, the flow just wasn't there with the, with the combat, um, and and so that was part of that decision of kind of like you are mashing a button, but to make it interesting, you know, you throw them up, you throw them away, and then you grab them back to you, and you kind of you kind of whack them again, and um, all from like the, the you know just the tap of a button.
0: It's almost a devil may cry juggle, but like yeah. you said, with the single button
1: with a giraffe. yeah exactly exactly so again like we like reached out to our kickstarter backers and said like we're rethinking combat like w- you know what what do you think any any thoughts and like one of the comments that came back was like i back this for my kids so please don't make it too complicated <laughs> um so that that was like yeah so that was part of that um idea but making it an upgrade and actually the the whole leveling up upgrade cards thing that was another thing that came in towards the end as well so <clears throat> Like, kind of gating that and putting that behind, like, needing to level up a few times. Um, and, and before, before we had the cards themselves, we, we, you could actually, like, tweak the numbers. Like, you were talking about JRPGs. Like, you could, like, okay, I want to add one to my strength and I want to add
0: oh, man. two
1: to my, like, health. Um, but. Again, that just like took away from the flow of the game. Like it was kind of interesting for some players, but for a lot of people, and again, like younger players, but also players who kind of don't care so much, like me. I just kind of want to like get on with it. I just yeah. want something cool, and I want to press buttons and explosions to happen. Um, so that like so that that was part of that as well. So that was a huge change as well um, from kind of micromanaging stats which just didn't fit with the game um to going like here's a new power up here's a new ability and like you know to answer your question yeah there was tons pretty much everything in that you get as a level up came in later again like miss well not again but with mr rock he he went through a whole bunch of iterations um we didn't know what what the heck to do with him so at one point, you could press a button and 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 throw them at will, like like a sort of boomerang. Oh man, yeah. But the problem was, like, people and this goes again. Like, I'm like a I'm broken record. I'm so sorry, but like again, watching people play the game, um, they would like throw this thing once and then forget about it and just use the sword because the sword was more fun. And we'd have like switches and things, and and then we kind of had to to kind of sit down and go like, this doesn't work. Like it's it's pointless. Like it's it's not fun. Um, and so we kind of made the decision to make him more automatic. So sometimes you tap the art, uh, the shoulder button to, to like break a switch or to throw him at something. But we then like, then came up with the idea of like, what if he was something that you upgraded and what if he, you know, when you fall and die, instead of restarting the level, cause that's very frustrating. He can like, as long as you've got a health potion, he'll kind of put you back to where you were last standing, your, your last safe point. Um. And that again changed it. And then like having him orbit you and going off to attack other enemies.
0: Oh, he's great in that way. He's almost this passive ability. It's, it's, it's Bravo on making a rock with a face, <laughs> one of the most endearing characters in your game. And like that, <laughs> yeah. one of the big ones was this dude's orbiting me and saving my ass in situations where I thought I was just going to get destroyed. <laughs> he's so great, isn't
1: he? My favorite thing is like, and I programmed it. So I know, I know it's not real, but to me, he's so alive. Like when he goes off and he comes back with a health potion and oh, I'm yeah. just like, oh, thank you so much, Mr. Rock. I love you. <laughs> and like, you know, the little hearts come out and he sort of like and then goes, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, that that was great because it went from like this useless, annoying ability, um, to like something that was really exciting and something that like um as you progress through the game, he became more and more like useful and more and more interesting, um, as a character, but also as like, you know, as part of the team, as part of the pals, because he originally like would just kind of you you don't normally see him like he's kind of sitting in your backpack or wherever he is um so like when he starts orbiting you and you've got sparkles grabbing enemies you really feel like there's three of you working together so
0: yeah and of course like the characters really stand out in this game and we talked earlier about pacing and making sure hey we want to really influence someone with our personality and show that off but not linger and i think your bosses are one of the best examples of that because you don't just drown people in bosses. You have just a few and they're memorable and they're unique and they don't feel like, Oh God, it's another one of these things or, Oh no, it's a jumbo version of this creature. You made sure like, no, you're going to remember these because they're going to present you with different challenges and look unique. Was that of course the goal is, Hey, let's have good bosses. But what is that boss creation process? Like, how are you making sure that these are memorable encounters? and there there's this this is the certain number that we want
1: yeah um first of all i'd say i'm, I'm so glad to hear that that you you feel they're memorable <laughs> and that that's really awesome to hear um yeah i think like it, we we kind of had the structure of of the game that we kind of inherited from our original original like flash game that we made like five eight or five years ago whatever, whenever it was and that was like you have a world and then you fight a boss and then you get to the next world and that that's I guess that's not too original. Like that's kind of the standard thing. Um, so we kind of knew we wanted a boss for the to just to kind of cap off each each world. Um, and so so you know we knew we needed that many. But then um, also like w- we knew at the end that you needed that kind of final confrontation with Mister B. So that was kind of a double boss um, yeah. situation going on there: uh, a boss and then the final final boss. Um, so that's kind of how we, we knew how many we wanted to make. But in terms of their design, again, just like uh this this world that we created we we love it because we feel like we can do anything and for, for it to kind of make cohesive sense so um you know one of one of our favorites was like the breakfast buccaneer where he's like a giant pirate made out of um egg and bacon <laughs> uh, and so um sometimes there wasn't even that much consultation that the veggie the veggie saw which chases you um through through the wastelands uh boss scene that was uh, that, that just came about because, um, I mentioned John Davies his animator that we worked with, like had, had created a book where it was full of dinosaurs that were made out of vegetables. And I think he, he kind of sort of, you know, he just finished it or he was talking about it at the time. We we're like, Oh, maybe, we, maybe we could do that. Would that be okay? And and he said, sure. And so we, we put that in and then, um, just kind of having a that the idea of the crab one was I thought it'd be funny if mr bot mr b was was at the boss fight but not really paying attention, so he's in this armchair drinking tea while his mech that he's sitting in is like attacking you and just kind of trying to find like something funny and interesting they're not like overly cohesive like a couple of them are made of food and some of them aren't and there's they just kind of fit the theme of the area and yeah. then and then we kind of with a lot of the game um let you into another secret is you know Julian just draws crazy things, and then it's kind of up to me to kind of make them fit so
0: the work... <laughs> make them work, make them actually move, yeah,
1: yeah, and like make them kind of make sense, so like he has like there are all sorts of characters that I could kind of point to, but he'll just he'll just draw the whole town and then send it to me and just kinda go good luck and <laughs> and, <laughs> and which which works really great because he's kind of drawn wacky things that kind of make me make me laugh and um, and then I try and make it make sense. Like, okay, well, this character, well, we need like a Yoda figure. So we need like the mentor. So maybe that's this character. And then we, what about this guy? Oh, well, he's a chef. So obviously he's going to send you out to get ingredients. And what about this person though? Maybe he could be married to a pig, you know, just like all of that kind of weird stuff. And I'd kind of send like it I back just jumped
0: from Yoda figure to this dude's going to be married to a pig. Like that's <laughs> like a natural move.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> welcome to massive monster. This is the way we do it. <laughs> um yeah man so it's it's kind of like again just kind of trying to be interesting trying to make it stand out i think like we try really hard to to make it uh compelling like weird characters that we haven't seen too much it was, we, we try not to go like right we need a a skeleton enemy and a spider enemy and let's put those in the dungeon scene like we try try and kind of just change it up a little bit because um like i like i mentioned it's it's kind of a crowded place and we kind of want to Put our own personality on things and um, take advantage of the fact that we get to make this game. So if we get to make it, let's, let's not waste it. Let's, let's think of kind of weird things that reflect, reflect who we are. And, um, and that is, it's, it's not so much like we had a process, but that's how those decisions were made out of that kind of context.
0: Yeah, and even if there isn't cohesion from boss to boss, I think, like you said before, the cohesion is it feels like the culmination of that area. It's like, oh, this boss matches a lot of the different environments I've been in. So, like, that's where it felt like it clicked every time for me. Where I'm like, okay, I get it. I would have never thought of this because my brain doesn't immediately go in that direction, but that's also what you want from a game. It's not, you know, what you expect, it's what you didn't know that you wanted. Uh, and I'm not going to, of course, ask you for sales figures or anything like that. But releasing on the N- Nintendo Switch had to be fun because you are this family-friendly game, and that's a lot of people who own Switches. They, you know, there's a multiple multiplayer aspect to that that's built right into the screen with the two controllers. And right now, it feels like people are super hungry for new switch games this is actually my first switch game i just bought one and was looking for a game and this is the first one i got and really really loved it and it it just feels like a perfect fit on that system so was it the plan to get it on there from the start or did you kind of just see the landscape with the switch see the success happening there and realize oh man this is a switch game
1: (laughs) yeah it's really funny that you say that and and like again like that's wicked to hear that you bought that this was your first game on switch like that's Something I can like hold it yeah, like yeah, that was his first game <laughs> Hang that one on, on Switch. your fridge. Yeah, that's like legit. Like, you know, this is our first game, so it's like, wow, that's actually a that's actually a legit thing. Um I mean, when we started the game, um Steam was still like a really big deal and um the Switch like didn't I think the Wii U might have even still still been around. Um yeah. so like it, it didn't come into like our consideration. And when we started it, it was just gonna be a Steam game. Um and it was only as the game developed and like the kind of the quality started to kind of come through and, and the, all that like love and hard work we put in, like so much hard work, like started to kind of like bubble through that um, we were able to then talk about like, well, could, what about console? Do you guys want to take it to console? And, and we kind of went, yes, we do. Um, and from there, we decided that we could do Xbox and PlayStation. And then the Switch kind of popped up like towards the end of development. Um, and so the timing was just absolutely like perfect. We couldn't have planned it better. Like we're not, we're not like a, um, we weren't like a launch title or anything, but we were able to get like hold of a kit very early and we were like really fortunate to get that. And, um, yeah, the fact that it's co-op and it's like a, you know, it's a platformer Mario style game in like a bright kind of Nintendo-y kind of world. Like it felt like a fantastic fit. So we were just like, so thrilled. And, and like, I'm still through the day the game came out, I went out and I bought a Switch just so I could download the game and just be like, look at, look at my game. It's on the Switch. And it was just such a magic moment.
0: Again, it's, it's, I saw it and like, this is a Switch game. Like this is an ideal Switch game. I think there's like the certain aspect to certain games, even if they are multi-platform, you associate them with the console. And immediately I was like, oh, I know which one I'm <laughs> going to get. Like, this is the one that makes the most sense. How much totally. goes into getting this on consoles because you did mention it it did you know it was brought up it was just going to be a steam game before but it's i would assume no small task to port a game to xbox 1 to get it on ps4 and to run on switch and it's not like this graphical monster where it wouldn't be able to run on switch or anything like that but how long is that process of getting it from pc and having that pc mindset to actually having it on consoles
1: ah so you'd think it would be easy but um it was it was it was a it was a whole thing um so our game we we actually made it in hacks which is like a cross compiler language really similar to action script 3 which is like the flash scripting language so that doesn't have support for things like video um it doesn't have support for console and it was like it was fine for like us doing a steam game we used to be flash developers so it kind of felt like a natural progression so what we had to do was find someone far smarter than me um and i mentioned him at the beginning a guy called Matt Tye, um, and his company do, Ga- do games, which he kind of established while he was working with us. So if you if you want to port, like I would say, look them up. He is amazing. Um, but what he, what he had to do was take our hex code, put it into C sharp, open it in Unity, and then create some kind of interface to make all of our hacks graphics run in Unity
0: i'm already exhausted thinking um, I, about this oh this my god does not sound like fun
1: me me too um like <laughs> whenever you're stuck find someone smarter than you to, to kind of like help you out that's that's what I've my learned. life philosophy yeah <laughs> yeah mine too um and and he did this and he managed to do this and um and t- because we were on unity then it becomes much much easier to get onto console because the um you know, the consoles have direct, I don't think it's a secret. The consoles have direct like deals with Unity. So they yeah. have like support. So as soon as like, um, you know, platforms come out, there is like a Unity plugin that you can get if you're an approved developer. So um, it made it very, very easy once we were in Unity, but getting into Unity was a nightmare and we'll never do it that way again. I would say what what I've learned is use the tools that everyone else is using because it's just not worth going your own way. Like when you use lose weeks trying to kind of try and work on shaders to make like a video player work, which doesn't that which isn't, na- you know, naturally supported. Like just, just download Unity or Flash or whatever it was, whatever the time it is, get that tool and Google it. And a hundred people will have had the same problem and there'll be an answer there for you that like don't be clever. Just, just swallow your pride and do it that way. Um, so once we got into unity um matt was able to help us with uh with like porting and and with the switch it's great but like the the um there's so many different configuration of controls so that's kind of like takes a second to get your head around because you could have yeah. the joy cons on the console or you could have a joy con each or like you could have two um two joy cons working separately as individual you know but like you, you know you work it out and it's it's all good um but yeah, it's, it's definitely a long process and I definitely recommend like getting help or finding someone who you trust, who's done it before um, to help you through that. Because, uh, you know, making a game is tough enough, um, supporting like y- you don't need to do everything.
0: But it has to change everything once you get on consoles because you go from, OK, here's this one platform, this one revenue stream to we're now on everything. And it just opens up the possibilities ridiculously for you and makes that three year development feel i mean what justifies it is hey we made a good video game but it has to just kind of get you excited when you do launch because you're like these sales could be coming from now all these different areas instead (laughs) of just one
1: yeah definitely and it's so interesting like one thing that i've really enjoyed about it is like seeing the different reviews from different platforms as well so like our metacritic is all over the place like like you said with switch like we've got like at the moment it's 84 which is just like wow that's amazing yeah, i think we're really like, good. we're like the 30th highest ranking game on the switch at the moment and like i don't know maybe next by next year i'm sure it'll be very different but like that's amazing but then like on pc because it's an easy family-friendly game you know pc gamers tend to like the kind of more in-depth challenging yep. you know deeper games so we're like we're way lower on that. Um, so it's like, it's really interesting to see how the different platformers do have different markets and they do have different audience who, who want different things. Um, so that's like really cool um, as well. And like, definitely, like we couldn't have predicted um, what was going to sell what and like which platform was going to do better than other ones and which people working for that platform might like our game and so help us out, which wouldn't. And like, who? what about what journalists, what happened to be? assigned to xbox or assigned to place or, or whatever like yeah. it, it's just like so hard to predict um and also like we went into it blind this is our first time doing it we didn't know what what to expect so um w- yeah it's it's definitely i'm glad it's just like the way steam is i'm glad it's not just a steam game
0: yeah are, are you privy to which console is currently winning in the sales department is there one that you know is like the clear winner right now oh for in terms of our sales yeah
1: uh, I mean, I do. Um,
0: if you if you can't share it, I totally understand.
1: I don't know if I can. Um, what I'd say is, you could probably guess.
0: Okay, I, I'm guessing. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's just I'm just always fascinated by that because I I think I know which one it would be because I, I think it just works that way, but it's hard to ever really know, right? Like, there's so many different players with so many different interests. And like you said, the in-depth Steam community versus family-friendly stuff on Switch versus everyone in the world owns a PS4. Like, there's just so many different ways to look at it that I would assume you're like... I don't know which, which audience will attach to this. I, yeah, like going
1: into it, I, I had no idea. And like, again, just coming from that kind of steam mindset of like, everything's about steam, but really by the time we've come to launch it now we're 2018, it's, it's like so crowded. It's like the app store. Like it's, it's, um, I'm so glad that, yeah, like you said, it's on different platforms, but, um, I'm, I've been kind of surprised at how how steam is so crowded so it's so hard to get noticed um and again i'm just like really glad that we're on all these consoles and um yeah i'm like happy to talk to you like off off my totally good uh, yeah um but yeah I, I don't know what i'm allowed to say
0: I'm not no, sure. no i the last rude. thing i want to do is get anyone in trouble that is always like please avoid at all costs i don't want anyone yeah. else to be like hey, you broke this nda that you signed i'm constantly terrified of that okay. now that i'm in development and i've signed things i'm like oh, i know right. i'm gonna say the accidental wrong thing at some point. I'm trying to avoid <laughs> that at all costs. I talk so much for a living that it makes it hard to avoid it's that. It's hard to like not talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, you get excited to talk about it too. And you're just like, just don't be an idiot, Josiah. Um, Last thing we were joking earlier about you know, the the common questions that come with an interview after a game comes out of, you know, how long is it? What's the genre? What platforms? And the major one is like, is there going to be DLC? But now that you you have it on all these platforms, you already have these Kickstarter backers and now there's the new audience that's just being introduced to it now. Are there plans to continue to support it moving forward? Was a lot of that dependent on what the sales figures would be or were you devoted to we're going to keep adding stuff to this no matter what?
1: I think it's it's I, you know, I love the world that we created. Like I want to spend more time in it, and I want to share it more. And I hope that there's an appetite for, um, the, more of the adventure pals and like more of the kind of crazy characters and and for us to like, you know, take on all the, um, all the feedback we've gotten and all the ideas people have had and all the kind of things that people think could be improved and the things that they like and and to kind of, you know, make it even better and to, maybe add add different parts to the world or different like modes for co-op and all sorts of things like that, you know, we would love to do. Um, it's just like right now it's, it's only just come out. So we've just kind of got to wait and see, but, um, I would love, I would love to. So like, you know, watch this space. Um, I'd love to, yeah. I'd love for there to be more Adventure Pals in the world.
0: Uh, speaking of watching this space, this is actually the last, last thing. Uh, where can people find you and your team on social media and where can they get the game? Uh, well, all over these platforms, but what's the best way to do that?
1: <laughs> well, if you head to theadventurepals.com, um, we've got links to every platform that you can get it on. So it's, like we said, Steam, um, it's also on uh, GOG and Humble, but it's um, Xbox PlayStation and Switch. Um, we got links to all of those on theadventurepals.com. Um, the we are a Massive Monster and are we're really super active on Twitter. So um, if you have anything you want to ask us, uh, we'll get back to you really quickly. Um, and that's at Massive Monsters. So like plural, massive monsters, because there's a couple of us, um, and massive monster was taken. So, um, <laughs> otherwise, and, um, you can find, you know, massivemonster.co is like our, our website. So, um, yeah, please do get in touch. And if you've played it and you like it or you hate it or whatever, like I would love to hear from you. Um, just to know that people are out there playing the game and interacting with it is just such a thrill. So, um, really so happy about that. And, and again, thank you for like having me on and for talking to me about this kind of weird thing that we made.
0: No, absolutely. Thanks so much for coming on. I'm really happy you did release this on multiple platforms because if this came out and you were like disappointed with your Steam Metacritic, I would have been bummed because it should be much closer to what that Switch number is. I think the Adventure Pals is super cool. I'm happy this was my first Switch game. You do strike this great balance between humor and challenge. and Again, the the length thing, super appreciated. I'm really happy that (laughs) last area is as long as it is. I think you guys obviously understand... The platformers that have come before you, um, the mistakes that were made, the, the the smart things that were done, and that really comes through. I, I'm I'm glad the game is you know as as good as it is. I'm glad that it is um, out to so many people, and I hate saying I can't wait what you guys do next because you <laughs> just released a goddamn game, and you should appreciate that. So I actually can't wait what you guys do next, but also appreciate this one because you've earned it.
1: Oh, thank you so much. That means a lot.
0: All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. Hopefully tune back in for the next episode of the 1099.